G'day listeners, welcome to Full Metal Movie Reviews. This week we got another flashback for you. Um, it's a special one, near and dear to our hearts. It's 1982's John Carpenter's The Thing. To talk all things John Carpenter and The Thing, I have a special guest for you listeners. He's a He's, he's the specialist when it comes to the horror genre, and he's a specialist when it comes down to John Carpenter. He's joining me <laughs> with a round of applause for uh, Anth. How are you, Anth? Yeah, I, I'm good, thanks. You good, Sam, dude? I'm good. Now, uh, after that wonderful introduction, as soon as I get all these quotes wrong, I know all the uh, internet geeks out there are going to be like, no, mate, no. <laughs> well, before we start, could you please put your goddamn phone on silent? <laughs> Man, that might be a good start. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, good, nice. Okay, now ladies and gentlemen, why is it important that we do The Thing? Because The Thing is one of the, I'd say, prominent, if not the major, sci-fi horror thriller. It, if you, say for instance, um, watch Netflix's uh, Stranger Things, and you see the demigods and the demigorgons, the mind flayer, they all come, or it's very clear to see that the inspiration comes from John Carpenter's The Thing. The way that the demigods open up their jaw and they open up four different ways like a flower, like a Venus flytrap, is probably directly taken from this movie, The Thing. Um, the Thing was a remake of a 50s movie, is that right? Yeah, so it's a remake of the 1951 film Thing from Another World, which was based on the uh, short story of Who Goes There? By, I believe his name was uh, John Campbell, I could be wrong. <laughs> This is the expert, ladies and gentlemen. That's why we got him in. Ant is here to talk some shit. All right. So the thing basically um, was John Carpenter's, I think, eighth film, and um, it was, I guess, meant to, it was one of his biggest budget films, I think, and it was meant to be his sort of breakout sort of movie into the stratosphere. Is that sort of? Yeah. Um, as far as that being his breakout film, um, I can't say. I know that um, he, he he has some uh, cult success. Um, earlier um, and got a lot of recognition from you know Halloween and um, before that Assault on Precinct uh, 13 um, however I do know that this film The Thing was actually a box office dud and um, he suffered a lot from this film really? It, it cost him yeah why would it cost him? I don't know the figures um, I'm going to go to Wikipedia for the answers um, but I do know just based on the audio commentary and, and um, other reviews um, of The Thing um, that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the best film for him financially. However, once it hit video, um, well, it speaks for itself. Well, I mean, we're talking about it over 30 years later, so. That's a good call. Like, kids today wouldn't understand that this film, like, was, maybe don't even understand where, like, they don't even know, have seen this film, right? And it was pretty much a flop. Like, when it came to the movies, I'm just looking at Wikipedia, funny enough, it was a budget of about $15 million for the 80s, which was pretty high, and it only returned about $19 million. So this was pitched as a big blockbuster. It was dud in the box office, but it had a massive second life in the home video market, so rentals and you know, purchases and stuff. And the reason for it being a dud um, was more so because of the, um, the grim ending. It got a lot of criticisms for um, that, hey, there's no happy ending. They're not running off into the rainbows and butterflies. You know, they're all fucked. Um, sorry, I don't know if I can actually you swear. swear. Oh, good. Because there'll be a lot more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, why, why do you think people got it? Like, if this came out in the movies today, I'd be all over this. I don't understand why, how it's a classic. I don't understand how people could not enjoy this movie. Um, 
looking back at it, you know, it's a great film. Um, it is a bit of a downer, you know. That I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit of depth. Um, but the end, towards the end, when they're coming up against, I call it the final boss battle, when they're coming up against the thing, and, uh, you know, McCready just uh, looks at everybody and goes, uh, well, we may not be getting out of here alive, but this thing sure as hell isn't. And then you look at the actors' faces and they're just like, oh, well, that sucks. We've got a job to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, at the end... When God Wright had a job to do. That's the same goddamn the human planet. And, and, and at the end there, it's just like, you know, you've got that open ending. Um, and I think people, especially then, sequels were kind of starting to kick up. So everything was kind of you know, let's make a sequel out of it. You can't really make a sequel. Well, you could, and I do have a theory as to what they could have done, but you can't really make a sequel out of that. Ooh. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of all ages, uh, basically what happens at the end of this film is, treat. I feel like we don't really do plot synopsis because I find that that's pretty redundant, but because this is such an old school film and millennials don't know anything, you know, pre-1990, uh, I, yeah, I'm insulting you, I'm listening, yeah, listen, right in your ears, I'm talking to you. I hope you, your feelings are hurt, because uh, it's true. <laughs> um, so basically what happens is, um, a spaceship crash lands in, is it Antarctica or the Arctic? Mate, somewhere with a lot of ice. Yeah, I know, it's never clear, it's never clear. Because they say continent, so if it's continent, it's um, Antarctica. But if it's the, but then why wouldn't you? you There's some Norwegians hanging out. So that's the Arctic, right? Yeah, well, let's just go with Arctic. I mean, I'm sure we're wrong, and I'm sure there's someone there right now who is correcting us. Um, <laughs> so please, uh, my number is uh, zero four. <laughs> I don't care. Can you uh, get back to me as soon as possible? Uh, um, and basically, this th- this uh, alien species gets frozen in the ice, um, and. Flash forward to 1982, and what happens is that there's this Norwegian um, helicopter chasing this dog. One of probably, I think, one of the most iconic opening sequences in film because it's set again this white powdery landscape of the Arctic, and this helicopter you see a guy with extremely bad aim trying to shoot at this dog who's just bolting. Dog comes across the U.S. base. The U.S. soldiers are like, "Hey, what's going on? There's this cool dog." And then they don't, can't speak Norwegian, and these Norwegians, for whatever reason, just start shooting at the dog. And the Americans fire back. You know, it, it, you just mentioned he's got bad aim, and, you know, that's what killed him, because instead of shooting the dog, he shot one of them in the leg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I may not be too much detail. Anyway, basically, long story short, the, this, the dog is carrying the alien, or the alien is... Um, imitated. Is, is imitated the dog, sorry. And then the alien then begins to imitate each and every one of these U.S. Um, uh, what are they, army, but scientists. Yeah, you just crew members. Just just got crew members. Yeah. Just for yeah. And it becomes a, a game of which crew member is the alien, and how they're going to kill this alien. Because basically, what happens is it spreads from organism to organism, and 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 basically. That's how it grows, and it could. And the computer works out that if it escapes the Arctic, it can take over the planet in twenty hundred hours. Or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like something along that line, along those lines. It, yeah, interestingly enough, um, this film came out right around when AIDS was um, really hitting the media. Um, <laughs> well, better for AIDS. Yeah, <laughs> getting getting a lot of attention. So, um, yeah, so it's um, it's imitation um, perfect organism, uh, which is what the dog was, and. Yeah, it's it comes to terms with the the crew, especially the scientists on the crew. Mm-hmm. That this is a, 
a worldwide problem and then they start taking matters into their own hands and it turns into a really cool story about who is it and um, about leadership in times when, uh, you know, you need a leader. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice quote. <laughs> Fucking nice call there. All right, so if you look at 1982, maybe just compare it with the films coming out. The highest grossing film was E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Um, and that had a domestic gross or US gross of $359 million. So if you look at that, and that budget of that film, so that film had a budget of, of $10 million, So they're pretty much the same sort of um, budget as the thing. And the thing only made 19 And this ET made, you know, close to $400 million. You can see why everyone was really underwhelmed with this movie. I mean, but then you look at some of the other movies in 82, and it's a bit of a trash year because you've got like, things like Rocky Three, Porky's, um, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Annie. So, so I, I don't, I don't, look, if you're in 1982 and you're old enough and to be remembered that year and you didn't go see this movie... You didn't you had buy your, a ticket. Yeah, you had your head up your ass. That's not what you're doing, like, like <laughs> seriously. Again, my address is uh, 123 Faithton Road. Faithton, come find me. I'll fight you. All right, so um, maybe let's talk about some of our favourite scenes. I think what I really like about this movie, Anth, is the... Um, the setting so the setting or the backdrop is the arctic and the arctic gives you it's it's shot beautifully the um the 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 outdoor shots give you this sense of wide vastness just to help you with that it, it gives away a lot of your surroundings by making you feel isolated at the same time well that's what i say because then the shots in the inside when they're in in, in the like the uh, base or the i don't know what you call it, i guess the base yeah yeah they're shot really narrow and um, it makes you feel claustrophobic. And when this, this storm comes, the first storm of winter, it actually looks even more claustrophobic because when you go outside, they can't see shit and they have to all kind of go along this rope. But you know what? Um, on that, yes, you're absolutely right. But maybe because I've seen this film uh, you know, more times than I've seen my wife in a week, <laughs> um, I think... Um, I knew pretty much everywhere in that camp. Like, I, I kind of knew, like, McCready's shack. Um, you know, we saw it at the beginning where mm. he, he blew up his chess computer. Um, you know, That's the same. What an arsehole. <laughs> in the 80s, he has a computer, and he pours fucking JB Scotch down it because it won at chess. But, I'm like, uh, That's like $100,000 worth of equipment. Yeah, but I love, I love how there's one single computer, and its, it's sole purpose is chess and then and then the other computer sole purpose is to you know diagnose the world being doomed from this alien yeah exactly the 80s man computer in the 80s the 80s um so you know you knew all these areas you knew the kitchen you knew everything like that so and that really helped as well and you know the dog kennels um to me this film was the best at showing you everything but hiding everything as well. So we will talk about some of our favorite scenes, um, like the thing coming out and attacking, right? It's in your face, it's gruesome, um, it's disgusting, and in fact, I kind of puked a little watching uh, <laughs> really? some of those scenes when I was younger. Um, especially the, uh, the oh, that's, that's a good call. The chest open scene. Look, if you, if you <laughs> are adverse to seeing gross shit, uh, and you get like a low acid reflux or whatever, if you don't like this pus, it gross you out. This fucking film will gross you out. If you don't like pus, this is not for you. But hey, if you're, uh, you know, if you grew up in the horror uh, genre that we just had recently, where it's just all torture porn, then um, Q 
human centipede and all that uh, lovely gross stuff then this is right down your alley but oh, yeah. but back onto the the previous point um, before we lose track and talk about pus um, the it, it didn't show uh, there were certain like kills um, that were hidden off camera and it used camera techniques like following that dog around that dog was one of the most well trained mm. huskies ever you know it was a clear villain mm. following the dog around and the dog goes in and sees a crew member. Now, we don't know who the crew member is. We just see a shadow. But we know there's some superstitious. And if you guys get that reference, because you know what song was in the background, um, good for you. Um, and we know that something's gone down, but we don't know who. And then that brings our suspicion back. Like, all right, mm. shit's gone down. <laughs> shit's gone down. That's what I mean. So, like, you're actually just thrown into it. Because the, opening, the very first thing is a spaceship coming to Earth, like, sort of similar to Predator. So now the predator ship lands in the jungle, this one lands in the Arctic. And you could argue that it could be almost from the same universe. Um, but but you just don't know what the fuck is going on when you see these Norwegians shooting this dog. And you still don't know what the fuck's going on because they go, the, the Americans go to the Norwegian base and then they see the Norwegian base is burnt to shit, covered in ice. And you're like, this is getting fucking weird. But this movie... Full up does not muck around. It's like it has it two hours or not even. It's yeah, I think it's shy of two hours. Yeah, it's definitely over the uh, the ninety minute mark. I think it's like one hundred and I don't know ten or something. It, it, but it doesn't muck around. It just drops you in it. Within the first thirty minutes, you're like, ah uh, shit. <laughs> well, it, the one thing that's really um, great about this film, um, I've got this argument uh, that this film. It's probably one of the um, the best sci-fi horror films um, of all time, and I say that actually over Alien. And ooh, ooh. God, Anthony, <laughs> but you're not wrong though because um, Mate, what I, had flame flamethrowers first, this or Alien? Uh, well, Alien came out before. Well, yeah, Alien came out before this. Alien was in the seventies. Um, what, what about Aliens? Well, Aliens, I believe. Oh man, now I'm thinking hard. 86. There you 86. Go. So Aliens was after, mm. um, but Alien was before. Um, and our Alien, I'm pretty sure had a. Did it have a flamethrower in it? Uh, it did. I yeah, it did. So. Yeah. Oh, shit. I reckon it did. I, I, I reckon, did. Uh, what was the what was the black guy's name? I don't mean to be racist, viewers, but that's how I remember him. Um, got his head bursted by the alien. Oh, in Aliens? In Alien. Parker. Parker. Yeah, yeah, I believe he, he carried it. Yeah, he carried the. Yeah, I remember the actor's name. I don't remember the character, but he remember he carried the uh, flamethrower around. Um, but I mean, what the hell were we just talking? Yeah, great sci-fi. Um, but the thing is, I'm sitting in front of you right now. We're about two feet away. I don't know if you're the thing, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that's yeah. what's so good about that yeah. film yeah. is this monster is so gruesome, so disgusting. I, I couldn't imagine anything worse than getting imitated. Um, by that we see the thing doing mm. its thing against one of the crew members um, uh, Windows discovers him and it's just all slimy and gross and then he's slowly becoming that monster like yeah. that fear of the unknown like the alien is freaking scary and the original alien you see get that doom every time the alien comes on screen because yeah. something happens right but with this you don't know well I guess the other thing is why it probably didn't do as well from the perspective of the thing doesn't is um Shit, what's the word? Metam- it metamorphoses into like a lot of different 
things. Yeah, pretty much. And it's hard to articulate, but it takes the, it replicates whatever host it um, kills, and it then morphs into this really weird sort of structure where it's like half melted and half, it's all like a combination of weird DNA sort of yeah, strands. Yeah, you look at the, the John Carpenter was describing it in his commentary. Um, it's pretty clear in the final scene where the thing, you know, gets in full defense mode. And that's the other cool thing about this movie mm. is that he's, this alien's always in the defense. Always. Always. Um, so... And which, it's highly intelligent. It's not... So an alien, the alien in Aliens is pretty much a predator. It's an infant. It's yeah. a baby. Well, this is like, it's, well, it's designed to kill is my point is that it actually hunts people, right? Yeah. Well, this actually doesn't do that. What it does is it replicates, the thing replicates and takes over, or replicates the host and then it doesn't try to kill someone unless it, um, it's highly intelligent. So it then calculates its next victims in the sense that it doesn't, it tries to hide in plain sight. To survive, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not predatory where it'll take out the whole room. It'll just then quickly. Okay, when someone's alone, yeah, like, like yeah. when the dog when the dog found that isolation and yeah. um, oh, he bit, he bit he bit what's his name first? That's how that's the first guy to turn. Yeah, the oh, dog. Um, what's his name? Uh, yeah, the dog bits the guy on the, on the leg, and then he goes, "Put him in this goddamn kennel." Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, yeah, and then there's a you know there's a heaps of scenes where I'm uh, just trying to think the other scientists kind of guy with the glasses which I know doesn't really sum it up but he goes outside Dr. He, Blair nah not Blair he goes outside he burns himself we don't actually see him die oh yeah there's, there's, a, there's a couple of those there's a couple of those yeah that yeah but that's that that isolation you're talking about where the thing um, mm. finds his victims alone and uh, and uh, d- does his thing <laughs> I was saying like, oh, Cooper Oh, maybe, maybe I've got it written down somewhere I don't want to make but that's that, and I mean that's what we're, the point we're trying to stress here guys is that it's not. It's a sight. It's a. It's a thriller because you got these six or eight guys, or more probably ten guys that are all. They're all surrounded by um, snow, so they can't leave, um, and they are basically trying to figure out which which one of them, or which one amongst them, is the thing has has been killed by the parasite, and the, why I say this thing has heightened intelligence because it does does abnormal things like it quickly learns language and it quickly learns movement of the host. Yeah. And it also learns um, escape routes. Like, so you think, okay, so why wouldn't the thing just kill someone, take over their body and then fly a helicopter? Well, it doesn't know how to fly a helicopter. So what it does is it, it disables a helicopter. Yeah, actually, and builds its own spaceship. And tries to build its own spaceship. Like it's, it, but really when it realizes it can't build, so it doesn't have the parts to build its own spaceship, it wants to freeze itself wants and go to, back to sleep. Wants to go back to sleep until someone else comes, thaws it out. And that's why you're thinking, oh man, this thing is 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 super intelligent. It's like a <laughs> it's a metaphor almost for AIDS where it's a hypervirus that just inhibits, kills the host, takes over the host, and then tries to spread to someone else. It, it kind of makes you think, uh, you know, maybe John Carpenter was just like reading like watching the news one day and it's like, hey yeah. This would be right. This is such an original goddamn screenplay as well. I mean, some of the heroes are cliched, like um, McGreedy, that's played by um, Kurt Russell. Yeah, okay, it's a bit cliched. Plays... You, how so? Because I, I could argue that to the cows come home. All right, let's do this. So, I mean, he is a typical hero. He takes no shit. American. No, he... he... <laughs> I don't, well, they're all cowboys. 
um, in there, if you think about it. So, uh, all right, so look at Blair. Blair's your your typical country boy, takes no shit, just grabs the liver out of the thing, doesn't care. It's like an everyday thing, right? I would say, I would say Charles. Charles is, is more a, of a hothead than he is as the wild card. Well, Charles being the hothead is, is a wild card, but he's another you know stereotype, typical angry. Again, throwing the racism out there, angry black guy, um, takes no shit. And wants to be in control, right? That's All true. these characters, they are, but Clark, they're, they're Clark. real. All Clark, these characters yeah. are real. Windows is the the. What is Windows for? Well, you know what? He's a scared nerd, and you yeah. feel sorry for him the most, especially when he carks it. Man, those screams when he was having his head chomped on, flying around. Man, I felt sorry for poor Windows. Poor guy just wants to sit in the radio room and have a snooze. Well, and, um. Okay, but I mean, what's the deal with his shit cowboy hat sombrero that he rocks? It's cold. McReady wears the <laughs> It's cold. He can, still, he can still get windburn, man. It's practical. I don't know. I like the fact that he's... <laughs> uh, the thing I like about him is that he, he's the helicopter pilot and he's he lives in a cabin that's kind of separate from the base. He He's isolation. He's isolation on the cabin. And at the end, um, he is what... Um, well, you could argue that because he's he's in he's in Antarctica, on the most isolated place, and he's in the most isolated area of the most isolated place because he fundamentally wants to get away from people, right? Yeah. But then he comes down to a choice of sacrificing himself in order to make sure that that this alien, the thing, never leaves Antarctica to save the planet. So it's like. What a good guy. <laughs> he's a good, you know, he's a good bloke, but he, you know. He's a loner. Um, the coolest thing about it is that he he's the most isolated part in the world and he just wants to be alone, right? He, he wants to play chess. Yeah. He, he just wants to be alone. He, he even he says, drunk. He even says he wants to get drunk in his shack. Yeah. Um, and he's a hero. So yeah, yeah, all right. So he's got some of those cowboy stereotypes to him. But you know what? That's killer. That's that's <laughs> that's the best. And, and, that's, and that's what you need in this film because this film had nothing else for you. Really, like, as, as an audience member, you're rooting, you got to root somebody, yeah. right? And McCready doesn't even want to be that guy. He, he doesn't. He, he just wants to survive. It, it's, yeah, I think initially he just wants to survive. He's reluctant. He's yeah. reluctant to jump in that hero role. Yeah. And for the majority of the film as well, he's a suspect. He's a prime suspect to be the thing. Mm. When, you first, when you first saw this film, who was your money on who the thing have gotten. I mean, now when you look about it, look back on it, it's pretty obvious. The, the guy who gets bitten by the dog, I, forget, I literally just forgot his name. But I had my money on Charles. Because he's, but he's just a, he was just a, such a hothead and he's such prerogative. He just, he, just, he just wouldn't go with the flow. Well, Charles and, um, what's his name? Clark. I thought those two. Because Clark had that weird symbiotic love for the dogs. Watch Clark. Yeah, watch Clark. I'm all better now, but watch Clark. Mm. Yeah, Blair, he's a creepy bastard too. Um, yeah, to answer that question, okay, look, when I first watched it, I was like, you know, a teenager, a young teenager. So, but looking at it, you know, a bit later on, um, I, don't, I didn't go for Charles. And the reason being is because he was too hot-headed against what you just said, because you got to remember the thing... Uh, is always on the defense. And if you look at it, the characters that become the thing are the ones that don't, like the pothead, you know? The, the, he, 
He doesn't want any part of anything. And he's trying his hardest not to have any part of anything. It's even when he is the thing. Which one? Uh, Windows? No, no, no. Why is he quiet? Because he's got curly hair. No, no, um, the tall dude. Uh, Funch? We literally got notes here. This one. Yeah, we, we've got Palmer's, but it's not helping. Palmer? I'm just, uh, you know, I'll jump on the old. Oh, Nas? No, Nas isn't No, nah, not Nas. Nas uh, he's the um, the tall guy. Maybe you were right. Uh, the thing. F- Futch is F-U-C. Futch. No, not him. I think that was... Phoenix. Just give me a sec. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're almost there. Uh, Palmer? Palmer. Was it Palmer? Could be Palmer. I reckon it might. Yeah, I'm going to... Palmer's the one that he's been first up, right? Yeah, I'm going to go with Palmer. Um, yeah, that's the other thing. Because this doesn't take much time with yeah. um, exposition, you, you actually kind of get thrown into it. And it's very hard to work out who's who almost because they yeah. sometimes reference names, sometimes don't. But it, you'd almost argue that the names aren't really important. It's because it's the characters, that they're all separate and unique, as um, Ant said before. You have, you know, McReady's a solo, Charles is a hothead, Dr. Blair is, is, is you know, Doctor sort of, so he's like um, a bit more, uh, how would you put it, um, intellectual. So he's a bit more removed from the com- camaraderie. Um, Clark is, I guess he's the, he minds the dogs and the huskies. Yeah, it's, it's more your blue collar. Blue collar, yeah. yeah, exactly. Good call. Niles is is the kitchen hand, um, and then you got others like Palmer, Gary. Um, Gary's the sheriff, sort of, or the the cop, I guess. Yeah, the the leader of the. Um, he's, he's the he's the officer. He's a he's the head honcho. Yep, head he's honcho. The yeah, the coaches, head coaches, and you got windows, and you got basically all these characters, and you got another doctor and Doctor Cooper. So it's like, it's. Just, just, just side note, you've got Windows and Mac in this movie. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's a foreshadow for you. Well, they got along, didn't they? Christ. Um, yeah, and, and all right, maybe we'll talk about some of the kills because I reckon one of my famous, sorry, excuse me, one of the famous scenes that will kills in this movie is when the thing, um, when he's got that, the head and the, the face of a uh, uh, spider. Who, yeah, and he's a spider. Yeah. But I would argue my favourite isn't that scene, even though that's probably the most iconic. My favourite is when the doc is trying to resuscitate. Yeah. Um, what's that's, his name? That's literally just before that. Mm, it's just before that. But when the doc's trying to resuscitate, oh Christ, this is what I'm saying his name. I think it's. What's his name? Victim uh, number Palmer. Or victim number three. <laughs> and uh, guys, he has the he has the paddles, right? It's hard to articulate via podcast, but goddamn, you have to watch this movie. And he has he has the paddles, and he's using the paddles to resuscitate or, or kickstart the heart of, of the victim. But then the victim's chest opens up, and it's like a bear trap or a shark, great white Norris. Norris, sorry, so Norris is, is dead on the table. Let's just leave the characters open on IMDb. On yeah, I think so. <laughs> so Norris's chest opens up, and it shuts, and it rips off the doctor's hands, and it's just, <laughs> all pra- well, practical effects, people. Practical effects. All practical effects, and it's fucking amazing, and you're like. Yes! Shit, shits, shits all over the CGI from the. Uh, yes! You can't see Sam right now, but he's it looks like he's um, you know, <laughs> spasming it. out. I love it. Are you seeing his hands like Doctor's losing his shit? His he's losing his shit. Like it's <laughs> everyone's losing his shit. It's such an over the top death from the Doctor as well, but you you feel like it it doesn't take it away, and everyone starts losing their shit. But in the meantime, while that resuscitation is happening. 
everyone's having an argument with McReady because they think McReady's the thing. Mm. Yeah, and so yeah. you're, you're, you're almost, it's like, it's second fiddle, this whole, you know, let's bring this guy back to life kind of thing. Because there's this argument going on, then all of a sudden, whoop, opens up, bye-bye hands, and then the doctor's like, kaputz. And then all of a <laughs> yeah. sudden, the spider head comes off. <laughs> this is fucking amazing. You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. And they also use real flamethrowers. And basically, they figure out pretty early that in order to kill this thing, you actually have to burn it. So you can't just shoot it, because it's an organism, it just... It's um, sort of like, I don't know if anyone, any of the listeners play uh, StarCraft, it's like the Zerg in essence that it spreads through, you know, like in, from one organism to another via, you know, biting or basically just suffocation or getting one of its tentacles down your throat. And so they figure, okay, the way to kill an organism is pretty much the only way, to, is to, particularly in the cold, is, is to use fire. And that's also how they kind of work out or devise a test of who is the thing they uh, apply heat to everyone's blood I have a problem Whoa. with that scene why is that and I, it has never occurred to me until I recently re- rewatched this for this podcast which clearly hasn't helped because you know, I can't remember anyone's name or anything but um, I, I thought about this in the car um, on the way here well not, not really it's just something I've got to say but I thought about it very recently um the thing went on the defense when the blood, because it's all mm-hmm. it's all individual organisms, right? Um, but they they become one. So blood is important. Everything's important. Yeah. So how come when he cut these some bitches, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't spaz out. They because were deep cuts. They were, but they. I think they. So to, to provide some clarity, the test is basically they take a sample of everyone's blood and put it in a petri dish. And they heat up uh, yeah, a piece of, piece of metal. The sam- the way they get the sample is to cut cut the finger, slice right. the thumb. Yeah, and they then apply heat to those um, to the blood in the, in the petri dish, and um, whichever blood kind of has a violent reaction to the heat, uh, basically they work out whether that's who the thing is. So, to answer your point, is I think because the organism is smart enough to know that. I'm not going to spaz out now. I'm just going to give my blood and then... Hmm. But then to create full assimilation of everybody, why would it spaz out at all? If it's smart enough to know... Yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm, I'm getting like, cut yeah, yeah, and yeah, letting yeah. this blood... See, this is totally ruled this movie for me now. Yeah. <laughs> why, would, why would it then the spaz out the blood? The iconic blood scene. See, if it doesn't spaz out... Because it this, doesn't spaz yeah. out. Because it's finger... It, everything in this organism we, we made, you know, very clear is important. It, it's all, you know, as McCready said, you know, one of us bleeds, we get a tissue. This bleeds, it's, it gets into the defense, it gets under attack. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. now all of a sudden it, it allows itself to get cut. Like, yeah, it's weird. Should get tentacle hands and start choking out the son of a bitch. But, you know, mm, I mean, cool. you know, obviously you've got to look past it. But now, you know, I, I just thought about that and thought, well, how come... Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, yeah. smoothly. Fucking yeah, sorry, man. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, I haven't thought about it yet. This movie's shit. <laughs> Move it on. Nah, it's still the best. Because I think, in practical terms and in terms of the plot, if you can't, there's no there's no way to clearly identify which person has been inhibited. So you have to kind of come up with some pseudoscience bullshit, which they did. And I guess this, in terms of the movie, it's probably your least of your problems, right? Yeah. I'll, look, after all these years, it didn't bother me until now. So. Well, yeah, well, if you saw the fucking remake, how dumb was that? Anyway, hey, uh, well, hey, you know, let's Can I just talk about that that uh, that remake? Yeah, uh, we'll get to the end. Reboot. We'll, we'll get we'll get to the reboot. Oh. We'll see it at the end. Oh 
God, I was all talking about CGI, but anyway, go on. All right. Um, one of the th- so that's probably sorry, Longbow to, to pull from, but that was probably one of my favourite scenes. Is the you know the hands getting chewed off. There's the most iconic uh, yeah. death. Now I go to wrong phones. So at Four the three. end, they um they so Charles is it Charles? Charles and no, no no Charles has to stay at the base. Oh, right. So basically, they um, one of the doctors. Uh, for his, oh, Jesus Christ, we should have opened the doctor. Oh, you got Knowles. Uh, not Knowles. Um, He's not a doctor, but. Blair. So Blair Blair starts acting crazy. And this is I'll like, kill you. Yeah, and he starts shooting up all the radio equipment and he's psyching out. And everyone's like, cool it, Blair, cool it. So what it is is, is basically the thing's taken over Blair and he's, act, he's purposely put on a psychotic episode to make it. To destroy the equipment, right? To give him an excuse to destroy the radio equipment. Sure. Well, I mean, one might argue that he wasn't the thing then, but because mm, okay. he was working, he was working based upon the fact that he can't let this organism get out. No. From his research. No. So you know, one might argue that when he went into the shack, that's when or so, the tool shed. That's when he became the thing. Because the tool shed was open on the. But the thing is with the tool shed. So and so Blair freaks out. So all they do is they lock him in the tool shed and say, you got to chill out here. And they lock him in the door. And they make it very clear that the door opens um, outwards. So there's a latch that opens the door outwards. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and then basically some shit goes down south where more the, like, so they have that scene where um, the other doctor, what's his name, gets his hands chewed off. And uh, was that Cooper? It was, it was Cooper. Dr. Cuba gets his hands shoot off. Um, and basically, Karma um, dies. Uh, not Clark, he doesn't die then. I think Norris dies, Fudge dies. And basically, yeah, three, or three of them get, I think, wiped out. And so they want to do the blood test on Blair. So we haven't seen Blair for a good 15 minutes. And so we go back to the shed. So they decide to leave Simon in the base. And then McGreedy takes a couple of people with him. He takes, um, I think he takes Knowles takes and, and uh, uh, head, the head on show. Uh, he takes Knowles and... Gary. Yeah, Gary. I, Gary. I love how everyone yeah. else has got their last name. Right? Gary. Gaza! And he takes Knowles and Gary to, to, to the tool shed to, to, to find out what, you know, to apply his test to Blair. But Blair's gone and the door's opened outwards. So, they then find that a, a tunnel, Blair has dug a tunnel underneath the um, tool shed. And it's gone deep, and he's kind of trying to build a spaceship from helicopter parts, correct? That's correct. And more important, what you said, uh, for what you said, um, you did see him destroy the helicopter um, prior to destroying all the other stuff. So some might argue that he was stealing helicopter parts then. Mm. Um, but anyway, go on. So... I guess my issue with that is, and then when they when they then they go down the tunnel and they find out there's no real plug. Basically, he's done about three months worth of work in the space of fifteen minutes, and in the movie, it's probably maybe played over a couple of hours. And, he, and he's also realised that it's not going to work, so he cuts the power, um, destroys the generator, yeah. and all that stuff, so he can freeze. Yeah, correct. So it, and then Charles. Um, basically thinks he sees Blair and runs out and they see Blair run out so they think Blair is then sorry Charles 
so Charles chases after Blair and they think um, Charles is the thing because he's running around compelled. That's what they see. Yeah. But uh, that's my issue. That's the one thing that takes me out of it a bit is that um, I find it a bit weird that he'll be trying to build a spaceship from parts of a helicopter when wouldn't he probably be best to fly the helicopter himself if he's that smart? Or, you know, just go back to his original spaceship that's just frozen. Yeah, because he's a human and he can survive. Well, not, sorry, it's, um, he's, a, he's a virus and he can survive. I think, um, I think with that, the thing is on that basic um, survival instinct, mm. right? There might be, you know, there might be the argument that during the crash when, you know, because they found the spaceship, so this is the other thing too, wasn't he wearing a seatbelt? Um, they found the spaceship in one section and they found the alien in the other section and the Norwegians cut him out and um, all that stuff and then he thawed out. Um, yeah, there could be the argument that that's not the full organism. Maybe the rest of the organism is within that spaceship and um, can't, yeah. can't operate it, maybe. Um, but I think the thing that I've just got from you there is how do you do all that work in that amount of time? Well, that's that mean. And, and, and when they come back, because so, they realise that the power's gone, Greed Pinner says, look, we're dead now, but we have to make sure that he, it dies with us, otherwise the world's at stake. It, they basically go to the basement and they get some fuel and they're going to blow everything up to Kingdom Come and hopefully take the thing with it. But when they're down in the basement, they see the earth move and it's like, um, have you seen Tremors? Yeah, of course I've yeah. seen Tremors, mate. Yeah. Have you seen part five yet? You know. Exactly. <laughs> but basically, you know, Tremors had a... Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So I'm like, well then why the hell, if that thing can tunnel like it, like underground, why did it need to show that it... Like, it could have pretty much gone anywhere any time. So, why would it need to then stay at the base? <clears throat> um, just like the blood test scene. <laughs> I think uh, we're getting too deep into it. Um, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, uh, it sets up some weird... Like... I know what you mean, but you know what? I think that it it's a survivalist. It was trying to get um, the landscape. It was trying to figure out who was who itself as well. And it was trying to figure out what... It needed from who to be able to do what it needed to do. So maybe, yeah, maybe it was a thing before it destroyed the radio room so it could have some privacy to get yeah. down to business, you know? Um, yes, I did just say business. And maybe, you know, it knew it needed to isolate McCready and some of the others who were a threat um, so it could do those things. Because if it just made itself open, I mean, it knows that it's got dynamite, they got dynamite, they got all these means to destroy the thing. Got, they got flamethrowers. So maybe exposing itself and going, here I am, rookie like a hurricane, means that it's going to get destroyed. So it went into this defense to make this elaborate spaceship in a matter of minutes as opposed to, you know, days <laughs> and hours and years. Um, you know what I mean? It's a bit... Yeah, yeah no, that's a bit weird. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think... I think, though, it. I think instead of just telling out, it that would have exposed itself. Um... And there's a, look, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of questions, even from that ending, which, you know, I'm sure we're going to debate about probably in the next few minutes, um, that, you know, leave this movie wide open, which is probably why it's still a success to this day, because it's not clean cut. Mm, mm, that's true. Um, hmm, I mean, that's true too. I mean, it's, it's, it, it does some really things exceptionally well, um, like, the, there's practical effects and the thriller and the setting up who's the, who's the monster 
Um, but then there's some sort of stuff is a bit, I guess, not our word for it, dumb. Um, that, that didn't want to. Well, to steal a line from uh, Davo, 80s cheese. Pretty much, 80s cheese, yeah. <laughs> 80s cheese. Um, Alright, so if you say, I'm just looking through my notes so you can probably hear my pages rustling. Um, if you had to place this, if you had uh, basically. Knowing what's come out since, since the 82, and knowing what John Carpenter has done after this, would you say that this is one of your top three John Carpenter movies? Hmm. Give me your top three John Carpenter movies right now, goddammit. Halloween, yep. The Thing. Oh, and then... Uh, Only three. I didn't want three. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you know what? Big trouble, little child. Yeah, sing, sing the praises. I would have to go... I would have to go Big Trouble in China, number one. I would have to go to Thing, number two. You're going to go to Scape, aren't you? And then three, I'm going to go... See, this is really bad. I like vampires. Anyhow. Oh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> did, that, did that give you wood? Yeah. Did yeah. that give you wood? <laughs> I, really like, I really like vampires, and it's such a shit movie. Um, but I'm going to have to go Escape from New York. Top what was that Mars film with Jason State? Ah, uh, um, Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars. Yeah, yeah that's that's definitely in my bottom. Yeah. That's <laughs> Have you seen? Um, that's so. Well, Christine's pretty good. The car one. That's pretty well, sick. I'm pretty sure he made Christine after this. He to just make some money. Yeah, he, he, he needed to yeah, using Stephen King's name and everything like that. Make yeah. a couple, make some dosh. And you know what? I'm not the biggest fan of that film. Really? Um, it's because of that freaking kid, man. The, the kid, kid yeah, he, he, like... I just can't stand his look. He looks like a goober. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't know that's the point, but it, I just can't stand him. And then when he goes all villainous, yeah. he just, I don't know. Um, well, here's the thing. Like, I mean, John Carpenter has made some some of the best cult classic films, and unfortunately, he's never had that mainstream success. I mean, Halloween was probably um, his most mainstream would you argue um well i'm funny you say that because i could get into a whole thing of halloween um yes i would say john carpenter to the casual fan would be mm. more known for halloween just because there's a billion movies afterwards um and the current you know third installment which is coming out when i say third i mean third in the uh, sequel line which ignores a whole lot of other... It, the timeline's all messed up. Um, coming out next year. Um, so I would say that, Longevity yes. Longevity-wise, yeah. Longevity-wise, yes. Um, but that's because it was just a cash cow. But those films after Halloween had no substance. And Halloween itself was an indie film. That's the wrong one, mate. That's the wrong one. What's <laughs> <laughs> Halloween? What's Halloween? No, that's not... No, good. that's The Exorcist. Yeah, um... Oh, you know, I could give it to you, but I'm just going to let you oh, keep, keep butchering the genre. Is it, is it... I'm not the expert here. Is it the, the violin? The... Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, he, he knows how to score a movie. He does. He, he scores the thing brilliantly. He does. He does know how to score a movie. It's got that old school feel to it. Have you seen the 50s version? No, I haven't seen the 50s. Well, you got to watch it. Um, basically, guys, listeners, I mean, if you look at, if you're into some nostalgic, uh, sci-fi, horror, weird, fancy, John Carpenter is your man. I mean, we might, we could do a whole nother episode or episodes on this guy, but I'd have to say, like... Influential. 
I mean, in, I know Escape from New York is probably my third favourite, but you got some pretty sweet ones like Lay Live as well. That's a pretty good one. Um, I like, like I said, I like Vampires. That's fucking sweet. Oh, Vampires is a good film. I think... The Fog as well. The Fog was pretty good. Oh, cool. yeah, the, th- the Fog. You yeah, often forget about that one. Oh. One I don't rate is Dark Star. Everyone goes on about it. I've got it on DVD here. I don't really rate that. Should, we should watch it because uh, I actually have not seen that. Really? No. no. We, can, we can borrow the DVD. Yeah, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually really shit. It's like a homemade video. Um, oh, well. Yeah. Right down my alley. So, yeah. So, to put it into context, this guy... Never had huge success. He was never a Spielberg, a Lucas, a uh, Coppola, but... Everyone knows the name. Everyone knows the name. He scores his own films. He's, every film he makes, or made, sorry, I should say, was either groundbreaking, unique, or 100% original content. And, you know, check it out. Halloween, so popular. It's about a freaking guy in a mask. This is before the whole storyline. A guy in a mask having babysitters. Did that come out before Friday the 13th? It did. It, Fuck. Uh, but it wasn't the original slasher. Um, that was, um, oh, that Christmas film. Oh, Black yeah. Christmas or whatever. Yeah. But, I mean, look, you got The Fog, Escape from New York, everything. He does post apocalyptic. He does thriller, sci fi, fantasy, and big trouble with trying to. Made shitty sequels, though. Escape oh. from LA. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even pay attention to that. Um, what do you surf for? What do you surf? <laughs> Guys. I can't stress this enough. This is one we're gonna do a lot of his films because in the future and upcoming in there we've got Ants on board on the full metal uh, crew because you guys gotta learn about these movies. And I don't want this bullshit only ten listens. This is one this is one movie deserves your attention. Like I said, it it, it is the godfather to things like Stranger Things. Um, basically everything you love. Uh, it's it it it, it nails Aliens got, um, you could see influence from this film. Um, what else? Uh, top of my head. But you could look, you could list a whole heap of films, right? Yeah. You could. But at the end of the day, it's real simple. Watch The Thing if you haven't seen it. Do not get confused. There's another movie called The Thing that was released in 2011. You can probably skip that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's get to it because he's itching for it. I I just, he has uh, no, I just want to say, look, I just want to say this. No, 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 no. Okay, so I'm gonna set this up because okay. oh. this is very, this is very. You understand? Not it just pissed me off, Sam. Not many people listen to this. Um, I'm sorry, watch these these films because again, millennials that listen to podcasts may not know anything pre 99. So the thing was, I'm talking mega cult here, but um, unfortunately, it it didn't have. The box office, box office gravitas to warrant a sequel, which John Carver says he had originally planned, right? Well, he, he thought of a way to do a sequel, which is weird because everyone dies again. <laughs> well, I actually know how well, that sequel could go down, man. And, and we, let's talk about that after this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, guys, in the early, not early, uh, to around 2009 to about 2014, there's a weird period where Hollywood had run out of ideas and was either oh, making sequels, prequels, Reboots to everything from the eighties. Another on so, Elm Street. Shit. <laughs> Friday Thirteenth. Shit. Um, they had uh, Robocop. They had Shit. Um, Dread. Dread. Shit. Total Recall. Shit. Uh, uh, that just kept making every sort of everything that had like a cult status from the eighties or was popular in the eighties. They just went through this phase of remaking it or trying to get a reboot. The thing was no exception. Oh, uh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Oh my. That was that was God. that was last year or year before. No, that was a few years ago, yeah. but that was that was. Oh. So basically, 
this got the treatment. Now, I remember this. I remember being me and you being excited for it actually because we're thinking, oh yeah. I have a poster up on my wall. Yeah, dude, we're we're pretty at because this was one of the films we thought it's not hard to really fuck this up. We also found out that it but wasn't it was, going to be a remake. Well, there's the thing. It was pitched as a remake. It yeah. was never clear that it was a remake. But it turns out, at the very end, as a twist, it's actually a prequel. Correct. Which <laughs> which actually fucked the film up. Because throughout the whole fucked film... Fucked up the original thing. No, 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 no. It, it just... it Look, this film would have been better as... The, two things. One, if they didn't have that prequel twist... Okay, and two, if um, they didn't have all that bad CGI and they, they went for the practicals. Because at the end of the day, the people just heard it because they just remade the film. They remade it from back to front. Everything that you saw in that movie was a remake from, you know, the thing coming into presence... Yeah. Right to yeah. to the uh, well, the blood test, which wasn't a blood test, it was a feelings <laughs> test. <laughs> you got feelings? <laughs> oh my god! Well, I don't understand. So, so basically, they 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 kind of did some revisionist history, like George Lucas and the Star Wars prequel. But they made the helicopter pilot American. Wasn't it? Was his name? Um, no, I'm pretty sure they're both Norwegian. Oh wait, you mean? Um, Oh, no, 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 sorry. In the, you're not talking about the ending. You're talking about... Yeah, yeah, you yeah. the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was an American. Yeah, he was an American. He was, he was an American helicopter. Helico- Which helico- is helico- like, that makes no fucking sense because why would that... Why? Oh, my God. And so many people were pissed off that Mary Elizabeth uh, Winstead or Winstead, whatever, was the leader. Like, what the hell's a chick doing in our film? <laughs> there was no dudes on the original thing, by the way. Yeah. There was one chick. She got pregnant, not by anyone on the crew, hopefully, and... Uh, she was out fairly early, so that people were it was angry bizarre. about that. Like it was bizarre. So um, it oh, I mean that's fair enough. I mean nerds get angry. So Joel Edgerton played this guy called Sam Carter, an American fucking pilot, and it was just it was just and <laughs> and he was he was your hero. He was your your twist hero, like because obviously, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it, buckle the thing. But he dies because he's the thing at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Because his fucking earring gives him away. Oh, Jesus. God damn it. Anyway, I actually did not mind this movie when it first came out. But all these little things just ticked me off. It was a remake. It was a bloody remake. They remade it. It was was a remake reboot. And they failed so hard because they just pinned themselves into a corner when they... They use CG. They they heavily relied on CGI, which I found out a bit later on. I don't know if this source was correct or whatever. It wasn't their intended case. They wanted to go practical, but they used a lot of CGI. It's it's you know what? It's it's a fucking embarrassment when the 2011 CGI looks worse than the Way 1982 worse. practical effects. The the double headed monster, right? Yeah, looks better that. burnt in the original, right? We did briefly see it than it does in that remake, right? And and that, that that sucks because the film itself what wasn't too bad, but all that stuff let it down. Um, and then that that okay, so it was you know what it was kind of cool to know what happened to the Norwegian camp, but then I don't know it just the thing but acted it was, differently. It was on the attack. Yeah, it was on the attack. It was actually <laughs> predator this one, and and I guess you could argue that because the helicopter pilot in the original one never speaks. Um, 
You don't know if he's Norwegian, but it's assumed that... No, it was two Norwegians that jumped at the end. Oh, was to it? To be on the helicopter. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was... But it's just weird that... Why would they have an American in their ranks? Well, they had the American biology crew, because it was a discovery. So they had the American biology crew at whatever university of... Uh, but then why in the original didn't they know what was going on? Because... Plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't think that far ahead. Um, no, yeah. Well, no, actually, no, they did think that far ahead because Windows couldn't make radio contact. Mm. So, oh, so I'll just, I'll just shut myself up there. Oh, because it was the first storm of winter. That's yeah. what I say in the original. God damn it, nerds. Why'd you call me out on that? Ah, <laughs> uh, look, look, and that's unfortunate because at the end of the day, the film didn't have any of the excitement because it was doing the same... It was just basically having the similar tropes of the original. Yeah. And it wasn't... But not adding anything new or exciting. It was it was like a frame by frame remake. Uh, like I, I'll give you an example. All right, I don't I don't remember the character's name. But there's two, okay, there's two characters, and Sam just bagged on me a bit earlier about Windows. All right, but you got Windows from the original. All right, and then you've got this Norwegian cat who's got this beard, Jonas? G- ginger pubes. Jonas, uh, Jonas, Jonas, right? Yeah. Ginger. I don't know why I said pubes. I said pubes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, ginger guy, right? Okay. Okay. Both of them play similar characters where they're just like background characters that are really um, yeah. stand out, right? Yeah. They both die when the big reveal happens of who is the thing, right? They both die from the, you know, <clears throat> in a similar fashion, their faces get attacked, right? Yeah. Then they're both laying down, sitting down, sorry, they're both sitting down, feeling sorry for themselves. Um, and they're becoming the thing, right? And then I'm pretty sure they both get burnt. And it's like, if you're going to make a prequel, and you're going to say, this is the original story of the Norwegians, can you not just remake the previous film you saw with a different setting, and, you know, characters that are the same characters, but different, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, how desperate or pathetic you have to be to then even attempt to do the same jump scares yeah the exact same like exact same like fuck me like think a but bit with bad yeah think a bit more outside the box and try a bit harder because if you're literally trying to make a cash cow you're not going to capture it because people aren't nostalgic for something that came out in 2011 they're nostalgic for something that came out in 1982 and if you're not going to give us the characters that we love like McGreedy uh, Childs or whatever you're literally giving us nothing right fuck like what what's the point of this thing then the point of it was to try and make some, make some money. <laughs> it lost but, money. Yeah. But you know who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. And, and you know what? I can guarantee you it's not on video on demand like, you know, in, in my house. No. Um, though I probably will rewatch it now after this podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the original 1951. Um, you know, just, just real quickly, a movie that did the exact same thing around the same time, I mm. believe it was 2011, that actually worked was Final Destination 5. Um, so for those of you who have seen that film, uh, for those of you who have seen that film, you know what I'm talking about. That's Nobody how has seen it. That's, that, 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 people have seen it, man. You, you know what? Do, do, you, do you see what your viewers write or your listeners write or whatever? Yeah. Okay. If you've watched Final Destination 5, you yeah. tell Sam you've watched it and you tell him that they did that prequel twist well. Tweet, tweet, tweet us at, uh, at FMMR pod. That's P-O-D. So, um... Well, so that's the sequel or the prequel. I mean, when I found that plot twist out, I was like, the fuck? The sequel boot. 
It was really, it was so fucking bizarre, man. Like, to think you're watching a literal remake with different characters, okay, whatever, cool, different names, but then you find Slay going, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, oh that's when the action of the war happened. <laughs> like, oh, look, there's a guy slit his wrists. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's like, oh, no. Oh, shit. Hey, look, it's the dog. Oh, how cool is it? It happens in the 1982 version when they go to Norwegian camp and they see the, the guy that slit his wrist and the blood's just frozen out of his veins. And his neck is yeah. sliced open? Like, I, I, how did that work? I, look, I don't... Look, that's a deep it's not, cut, a, it's not a, yeah, yeah, it's not a, It's not a piece of shit film that has no redemption. It's just that if you want to see something for a couple of hours that, that fills in that unnecessary backstory, fine, fine. Go yeah, look, it, it's... It's enjoyable enough for you not to go, I just wasted a couple of, you know, yeah. hours of my life. However, you will not want to see it again. And you'll probably forget everything that happened right after you watched and, it the first time. And it was really weird because Sam... Except the ending. Sam, Sam the um, helicopter pilot. Was he a helicopter? I'm pretty sure he was a helicopter pilot. Well, let's just say he was because he was American. And well, he was American. He was, maybe he wasn't. He's good. Yeah, no, he was a helicopter pilot because he took the helicopter or, up and then the thing did the thing and then mm-hmm. he landed and yeah. He was talking about the Cavaliers, and I'm like, huh, that's really weird to mention a basketball franchise that's insanely popular at the moment because of LeBron James. It just has weird shit chucked in there, like, that is this weird. But also, the technology... So, we all remember that scene where they use that Atari graphics in the the original, then all of a sudden they got better graphics on their computers the exact same thing it makes no sense right it's like well you know what if you're gonna stick to it you should have stuck with those Atari graphics and that's what I'm saying who are you fucking making this film for because nerds are nerds and they go on the internet and they switch <laughs> their they go and make their own podcast and they can talk about these films just you gotta I think and this is what the new Star Wars film are probably the main gripes that I have is that it's cool to be formulaic and have similar sort of plot similar sort of um, themes into a movie but you got to have enough twists where where the nerds like us feel comfortable that what they're watching is familiar, but at the same time, they're happy or content with the new. Is it like they got to, you know, sprinkle a bit of a new? they got to sprinkle that new. And, yeah. you know, I'm curious. If there's any uh, listeners out there who were around in 1950s who saw the original the yeah. thing and then... Uh, from another world and then watch the 1980s did you feel the same way we felt at 2011 <laughs> well actually John Carpenter said that everyone shot on him for this movie including, that's including the original director that's correct yeah, um, yeah it's because it's they, they thought this was a cheap gore film yeah but do, do you know how this was gore porn before gore porn was around but it's that's done I mean. well it's done well it's gore not porn just gore porn all you guys are like Saw out there What the? I mean Saw 1 was great but then the rest yeah. but you know uh, back into whatever I was saying. Uh, move on. I can't. I can't bother. All right. So that was the sequel. It spawned. Um, now, lastly, before we've gone for about an hour, and I think we'll start to wrap this bad boy up. Um, John Carpenter did have an, a, a basic vision of a sequel, and, and he thought of two of, a, of an idea of how to make McGreedy and uh, Child survive. Because um, at the end, guess what? Plot twist. They die. Um, oh, or suggested that they die. You, you never see it. So you never see they die, but it's it's they got no shelter and they're out in the open and they're going to die. Um, There's some fire there. <laughs> um, so, and talk to us. What's your idea of a sequel? 
Very quickly, give us your uh, pitch for the sequel for 1982's The Thing. Okay, Charles is The Thing. McCready dies. Charles freezes. Yep. Someone digs him up. Real Ooh. simple. I love it. I love it. Right. But do they make a base at that camp or how they or do they take it back or what? They come to re- they come to rescue. They um they uh they pull up the bodies just, you know, mm. to bring them back home yeah, to yeah. bury them or do whatever they gotta do. Um in the coroner's office, all of a sudden. Ooh, <laughs> like Predator the Two, the like, thing's in the city. It's in the city, Can mate. We have Bill Paxton. <laughs> No, not Bill Paxton. I mean, I know he's dead now, but... God damn, why not Bill Paxton? Rest in peace. Oh, he's in Predator 2. Is he? Oh, he's too. He's in Predator 2. That guy has been killed by a Predator, an alien, a Terminator. Why not the thing? Why not? Nah, I don't want Bill Paxton. Okay, Bill Paxton was the person I'm thinking of. But can we... Yeah, exactly. Can we have... (laughs) (laughs) Danny Glover? Yeah, Danny Glover. I want Danny Glover. Danny Glover is like, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm too old for this shit. But you know, Danny Glover now, he's, have you seen him? He's just making these independent movies and he's like way too old for this yeah, shit. He's like legit, sure. he can't even walk around. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be fucking sweet. And it goes loose somewhere in like a town in Alaska or some, some somewhere where there's a bit of a town and there's more people and then you see like, oh, how good would this be? All right. We have a crossover. Okay. We have a crossover. <laughs> we have a, the thing, sequel, they go to the town, this is there, Ash. Ash from the Evil Dead. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> and Ash is going to take down the thing. How could that be? Uh, oh, the wow. thing takes over his other hand. Oh, yes, my I'll drop God. it off. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, we should do we should do Evil Dead next. Oh, uh, yeah, we can. Actually, you were the uh, person who introduced me to the Evil Dead franchise. Mm-hmm. So. Love it so much. And, hey, hey, if you want a remake that was done fairly well, and I might get a bit of, uh, yeah, a bit of hate over this, um, the Evil Dead remake, that... To me, is how you do a remake. Get that... the fuck out of my house. Oh, mate, I will. <laughs> Get the fuck out of I my house. I will, right off from Dumbness Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I have an argument as to why, though. So. No, we won't go there. We've gone for an hour. That's long enough. But, well, this is for the next one. All right, thanks for joining us for this episode. Thank you for having me. I hope I come back. Oh, I'd love to have you back. You're... This guy's knowledge is fucking balls deep in the horror game. He's been around it. He's seen them all. He, he used to go... He still goes to Blockbuster Video or whatever. Video Easy whatever. No, I just want to do a shout out to anyone who's in Adelaide. Go to Blockbuster Fell. It's like the last Blockbuster <laughs> in the northeastern suburbs, right? Just, just like the last video store. They just go there. They're already starting to like reduce because they can't afford rent or whatever. Just just go there. Rent a film. Like... <laughs> Do, do, do me a favour. His DVD collection is second to none. He's old like school. He never, used to, he, he never used to like that I torrented back in the day. I don't know now. But back in the day. <laughs> I just got Netflix. You just got Netflix. He's and I, I hate using it. I still go. I actually still go to Blockbuster or now the video box that's popped up in my neighbourhood. So he's old school. So thanks for joining us, Sam. No, no worries. Thanks for having me. All right, listeners, as always, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at FMMRPOD, P-O-D. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time.